Hi guys, I'm Snow. Welcome to the very first episode of The Gate Chronicles. Ooh. Ooh. This is my love child. Wait, no. Uh, brain child. Brain child, not love That's child. I'm so That's sorry. That's not what I meant to say, but A hot yeah. Hot and steamy um, night in middle school. It all started in middle school when I had a dream. <laughs> Anywho, so... All right, so let's start by introducing ourselves there, folks. All right, well, uh, I'm Quentin. Uh, I normally, I am also part of Missing Role Player Found. Uh, I normally GM the Sword Art Online campaign, but for the sake of TGC, I'm just a measly player, so. All right, well, uh, I'm Andrew. I have uh, not done recording with them before. I am, however, the older brother and eternal tormentor of RL, one of the other casters on the SIO podcast. I guess it's my turn, then. My name's Zach. Uh, you can call me Blarg if you want. Uh, I'm a friend of everyone here, and I'm joining in for today's game. All right. On March 31st of 2020, you each received a letter from a research facility in Roanoke, Virginia. The letter designated that you were specifically chosen to be part of a sleep study. Utilizing patented NASA technology, you would be put to sleep in something called a promise pod spelled P-R-M-I-S, for a period of 10 days. At the end of that time frame, you would be compensated with $10,000, although the promise of that sounds way too good to be true. For your various reasons, you decided to take your chances. And now, you're on a bus to Roanoke, Virginia. So tell us, who are you? Hi, I'm Charles Smoot, a 57-year-old biology teacher born and raised in upstate New York, currently living in Queensbury, happily married. Well, I was happily married to my lovely wife, Joy, and I'm father of two beautiful children, Ben and Charlotte. We're all just going through a bit of a rough patch right now. It started when our youngest moved out and went to college. It's been a year since then, and well, everything's just kind of gone downhill. Joy moved out, and I lost the house. I've been picking up extra classes on the side to help support my children with their college tuition. But, I don't know. We all just used to be so close-knit. Honestly, don't know where it all went wrong. With all the student papers piling up on top of the stress I already had, I ended up picking that nasty habit of smoking again, but no reason not to. Joy and the kids were the only reason I had to quit. And don't get me wrong, I, I love my kids and my wife, but... It just felt so distant. Even my students, who I used to feel so connected with and inspired by, have felt detached from the lessons. I just want to get back to the way things used to be. Me and my name's Alan Taylor. I'm a simple man with simple needs. Them being family, friends, food, and some fun. I was raised in an Ohio town just off of Highway 70 by the most wonderful mom-pa man could ever ask for. Most of my summers were spent lending a hand on Mon Pie's farms, weeding the fields, tilling soil, planting our family's signature potatoes. Things were pretty good for me there, till Ma started uh, taking a turn for a worse. See, Ma's a smoker. She'd been huffing a pack of smokes every day since she was 14. I started to catch up with her fast. Doctors said she had some sort of uh, lung cancer. Told us she had about three years tops unless we started getting treatment soon. Thing is, we couldn't afford those kind of things. But with what we pulled in from the farm, 
that's not much. So my old pal Johnny told me there were some science guys offered $10,000 for sleeping in some tank for three days or however long they said. I don't remember. But me being fool I am, I took him up. No, 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 no. Still not the reaction I'm looking for. All right, Al, stop. The dean's getting antsy after all this time, and the drugs still aren't turning up any results. There's got to be something I can do to get a hold of some money and $10,000. Sounds way too good to be true. And again, I can't really think of anything more efficient right now. All right. Well, there's no time like the present for advancing the medical science. (laughs) Beautiful. I've never been so in love with a character's voice in all my life, <laughs> except for today. <laughs> I made it finally. Alrighty. See, uh, I, I'm in the opposite school of thought. Um, <laughs> I am significantly convinced that the second Alan hears that voice, he's immediately want to go to blow his brains out. See, well, it's okay. I can make a drug for that. I'm scared. All right. <laughs> okay. So. Most of you guys would have had to fly to get where you were going. And because you did send in your response that you were willing to participate in the sleep study, the company known as Oros provided a shuttle from the airport that you've all arrived at. You have been riding in the shuttle for a little bit and you finally arrived to your destination. So uh, everybody can make a perception check really quick. Well, got a 15. Okay, lovely, lovely. What was your number, Jack? I got a 24. Ooh, lovely. Okay. That's why I ooed. All right. So you all were sitting around the same areas on the bus, uh, actually ended up interacting a little bit with each other. Unfortunately, Alan felt somewhat of a need to blow out his brains, but he didn't really have a gun with him at the time. But he's had to tolerate his traveling companion all this time, so what's a little bit more time? The time is 0700, April 12th, 2020. You've just arrived to the facility. It's a short building with a flat roof, tan facade, and tall glass windows that sit symmetrically on either side of the double doors. The whole setup kind of reminds you of some kind of mobile army base with all the military-esque vehicles that you had seen on the outskirts of the premises. And now you're kind of just like in the middle of nowhere. You step off the shuttle bus that you were provided from the airport, and you find yourself amongst a crowd being directed slowly inside by a group of people in white lab coats. A menace. All of you see, from the first moment your shuttle pulled through the wire fenced-in gate, you felt like you were almost on a prison bus. There were dozens of military-looking vehicles out front, but where you're at right now, you don't see anyone in military uniform. And in fact, the area seems quite open and pleasant. It's just a singular building sitting in the middle of a grassy field. There's plenty of regular cars in this parking lot and plenty of regular-looking people. Just as you step off the bus, you note a rather large dark-skinned man wearing a pressed white and tan suit and a golf cap on his head. He's leaning into a far less enthused young man in a hoodie and skinny jeans. And he's speaking with a heavy African accent. Now you listen here. When you go in, you tell them exactly what we talked about on the plane. You want to make money? This is how you do it. Don't tell them about the kush. He straightens up as he catches you looking at him and he urges the young man onward. And as you're approaching further or closer to the building, you do notice that there's a man smoking off to the side of the metal stairs. And he looks like he's being accosted by one of the men in white lab coats. Al hears 
sir. This is a no-smoking facility. The man smirks as he bites down the cigarette butt, takes in a huff, and breathes out a puff of smoke in the man's face before dropping the cigarette on the ground and stepping on it. All right, calm down, Pops. It's just to take the edge off. I'm nervous, see? Ten days without a smoke? That'll kill a man. Just gotta get that last smoke in, see? As you're getting ready to go up the stairs, you also see a woman who is breathing rather heavily as she's pumping her arms and jogging up the metal stairwell. And she appears to be a little bit on the heavier side, but overall is fit, especially since she's wearing like this really sporty looking tank top and these leggings. And she huffs out, just five more minutes to go. All right, the floor is yours, gentlemen. You got a little bit of time. As you enter the building, is there anyone that you wanted to talk to or you just want to move on inside? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over to the man that was smoking. All right. So go on and move your token over there. I'm gonna walk on over here. All right. Mosey. I'll walk on in the same direction. <laughs> I'll look him dead in the eyes and say, Boy, you realize those are gonna kill you someday. What's it to you? Nothing much. I just hate to see a guy throwing his life away for nothing. He pulls out another cigarette, puts it in his mouth, holds the butt of it with his teeth as he pulls out a lighter and flicks open the lid. It's a Zippo. And he lights the cigarette, takes in another big huff, and blows the puff of smoke in your direction. <laughs> I just like seeing Al kind of moving around on screen, <laughs> just by the way. pacing in circles. I love it. <laughs> I am going to immediately, and without hesitation, blow the smoke straight back in his face. Okay, um, I guess that would be roll a constitution <laughs> saving throw? Uh, crap, I'm thinking D&D. That'd be fortitude. Fortitude. Yeah, roll a fortitude, fortitude save, please. <laughs> so you take in a deep breath of that smoke, um, not really meaning to, and you accidentally breathe it in so that it makes you start coughing. And it just kind of reminds you about all those times that Ma smoked at home and how much you did not like that at all. He laughs. I shall disgruntedly move back towards the stairs. Meanwhile, what the heck is Al doing? He's, he's getting a good look around the area. Okay. So Al is taking a really good look around the area. He sees lots of buses. Um, probably about seven of them have passed by in total, dropping off like 50 more people. You probably um, would estimate there's probably over 300 people here. Now, why on earth would they need this many people? Hmm. Oh, well, might as well head inside and get, get started with all this. Okay. I'm I'm assuming inside is up the stairs. Inside is up the stairs. Is Charles heading upstairs? So yeah, Charles would kind of just slowly make his way up the staircase, hand on the safety rail, and kind of take a look to his left at the more fit, well-built woman, and then take a look to his right, looking at the man who's currently taking a smoke, kind of reminiscing in how he's been at both sides of the spectrum thinking about his life as he goes up and enters the building. All right. All I right. don't mean to worry anyone, but I don't think the doors appear to be working. <laughs> um, so after a moment of struggling with the doors, um, Al, Al doesn't read the um, push sign. He's been pulling on the door this entire time. So Alan comes up and he opens the door up for him. <laughs> as you enter the now very crowded building, you see a row of tables with uh, letters on them. A through D and E through H, and a myriad of just other people who are surrounding the area. Some are lined up and others are meandering in the back to some unknown destination. But is that bacon that you smell? 
All right. So you see all these tables with letters on them. And you see uh, that there are several of these other people in white lab coats sitting behind the tables. And they are essentially signing people in. Where do you go? I moved the table labeled Q through U because my last name is Taylor. Okay. All right. Charles Schmoot would also uh, make his way over there, seeing as his last name starts with S. Okay. And Al kind of just like moves these on there. Uh, I'll move right over. Oh, man, that worked out like perfectly. You guys all in the same area. (laughs) Okay, nice. Okay, so uh, Alan walks up behind a young woman who uh, is wearing kind of like these slack clothes she has a skateboard that she's got tucked underneath her right arm and a backpack. She's got these beautiful braids through her entire hair. She's a dark-skinned woman. She's actually relatively tall. Um, and, but she's standing in front of you, and she's just like, all right, um, Marissa Sanders. And the woman at the desk starts searching through and pulls out a card. Uh, Miss Sanders, thank you for coming. It's wonderful to see you. Um here is a name tag for you. Just put that on and you can go to the back room, uh, to the cafeteria, and they're serving breakfast right now. She's like, all right, well, thank you. So she takes off with her name tag and um, proceeds to the back area. Uh, Next up. Walk up to the desk. I'm assuming this is where I uh, sign in. Well, if you are uh, somebody with the last name Q through H, you'd be assuming right. Q through H? You. You, I thought I said you. <laughs> you, I thought I said My apologies, ma'am. No, no, it's been a long day. I've been signing in people all morning, so it's been a little chaotic. Do, do I need so, my uh, license? And who might you be? Uh, Alan Taylor. Alan Taylor. All right, Mr. Taylor, let me just take a look here. And she starts rifling through a filing system. And she stops for a moment and pulls out a card. Ah, yes, Mr. Taylor, you definitely submitted in your response card. Thank you so much. She peels off a name tag and hands it to you. It's like a sticky name tag. All right. I extend my hand to take it, I guess. Okay, so she hands it to you and she says, all right, so now that we've got you signed in, you can go back to the breakfast bar. Uh, It's in the cafeteria. If you go down the hall to your left, you'll see a big metal staircase going up into the cafeteria. And you can join everyone else up there. It's a free meal. On the house. Thank you very much, ma'am. You have a pleasant day. Hello, sir. How can I help you? Name's Charles Smoot. Mr. Smoot. Okay. Is Smoot or Schmoot? Smoot. Smoot. Okay. No no C, just an M. Okay. So she rifles through. After a moment, she pulls out a file. Uh, yes, Mr. Smoot, you definitely did submit your response. And here is your name tag. And you'll be following that gentleman right back there if you're ready for some breakfast. Otherwise, you can hang out in the lobby or go out to the back area. Uh, there's actually a nice sitting area outside where it's nice and sunny and warm out. Uh, I, I noticed uh, there was a bit of a commotion outside with the guards regarding uh, the no smoking facilities. Is there a designated area for that? Um, unfortunately, Aura's facility is a no smoking area just because this facility does handle a lot of gaseous substances. Huh. All right, well, no skin off my back. Just picked it up again anyways. Not Can't be too hard to drop it for two weeks. Uh, okay. And then Al, the woman who's at the desk, is just kind of looking down. Actually, she's like flipping through a um, magazine, not really paying attention because her table's been pretty empty, it looks like. Uh, excuse me. 
I, I believe this is the area for me to sign in. Oh, oh, sorry about that. All right. So what's your name, sir? My name is Alfred Kenneth Mest. Uh, you can just call me Al. All right, Mr. Mest. Let me take a look and see if you uh, sent in your form and we received it. So she rifles through. After a moment, she pulls out a file. All right, Mr. Mest. Looks like you filled out the paperwork correctly. Here's your name tag. It'll be going on right back there. You'll see that there's a cafeteria area. There's like a breakfast bar and stuff. It's all free of charge. All right. Thank you. Uh, I'm right, assuming there will be information prior or later. Not my job. All right. Flips through the magazine. All right. How's that? Oh, well. Cool. All right. So, um, Alan, Charles, and Al, please all roll your perceptions. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, oh, oh actually, wait. Off. No, no. Hold cool. on. Hold on. I think I need to go back down the stairs, and um, <laughs> I, I don't think I was allowed to move up there because uh, he doesn't know where he's going. All right, so I in order that we point. rolled, let's read our oh, numbers. I love who you just stopped by. All right, Andrew, do you want to go first? Um, perception check. <laughs> where did that lady say to go? What was your perception, by the no, way? No, no, We got to read the number because no one else can what see. Say that again. I rolled a one. Say that again. I love it. A okay. one total. Because you have a zero in perception. <laughs> so he just straight up crit failed. Just There's nothing straight to one. Nothing to say. All right. Meanwhile, okay. Meanwhile, Charles what Smoot did, what did, had an 11. Yes. And Al had a what good old crit. That yeah, crit Al. of a 25. Nice I have been on point with these perceptions so far. Right. Okay. So, uh, Al, as you're, I'm going to go over this first. We'll go in the order of best to worst because this is going to be beautiful. <laughs> right, right, right. So, Al, you find your way up the stairs pretty easily. You actually, as you're walking by, you see this group of what look to be like scientists. They're dressed a little bit differently than everyone else. Um, you see a young woman with red hair, just like short cropped red hair, uh, an older gentleman with some gray in his sideburns, but he has a very nice, well-kept beard and dark brown hair. And then you see another nervous looking young man. All of them are standing and facing this woman who is in military garb. And you kind of just see her barking orders at these people, telling them, like, that they need to do this at this moment and, and do this next and all this other stuff. And then as you head up the stairs, you see uh, another young man. He looks like one of the visitors uh, wearing just like this regular, what is that, a button-down? A button-down over a green shirt and jeans. Seems pretty chill, and he's just meandering his way up the stairs as you're heading up alongside of him. Um, as you get up there, you see the young woman that was by Alan. And then you also see uh, by one set of tables, you see a young woman and a young man who are having a conversation. Young blonde girl wearing a crop top shirt and a guy in this well-pressed gray suit. He kind of reminds you of um, you're trying to place it and then it dawns on you. He kind of looks like Clark Kent, but nah, it couldn't be. But you do hear him saying something about, young lady, it's not, you shouldn't be wearing that kind of clothing out here. It's not safe. And then you see before you the breakfast bar. And before the breakfast bar is a young woman ordering her food. 
I'm I'm gonna stick by the stairs here and try to sort of eavesdrop on whatever those four are talking about. The okay, the one lady in full military garb. So, um, I'll have you roll another perception in a little bit then. All right. So we're gonna move back on, Charles. As Charles is walking around, he seems sees most of the same things that Al sees, except that you know he just kind of passes by. Nothing really stands out to him. As he's just going up the stairs, making his way, he smells some delicious food. He sees the young woman who's standing there ordering her meal. Looks like they're making omelets and they have bacon and all kinds of stuff. And she's like, oh, no, no, no pork, please. I, I can't do pork. Huh. And so the woman who's behind it, there's actually two of them behind the counter. And one of them looks up and says, oh, what would you like for breakfast? Oh, is there a menu? What all we have the option of? Well, we have we have eggs. And then she uh, gestures her in front of her and you see that there's an assortment of different ingredients that you can put in the eggs for an omelet. So we're having omelets today. So we have pepper, uh, green bell peppers. We got um, spicy hots. I don't know who wants to put that in their breakfast, but, you know, they requested it. Uh, we also have a few onions and, and all kinds of other stuff, and she just gestures to all of it. Uh, so they also have waffles. Oh, now, that, now you're talking. All right. Well, I mean, can't smoke, but at least you provide us with the bare necessities, bacon and waffles. All right, omelet with, waffles. omelet with everything on it, extra bacon, and a waffle for me. All right, you got it, sir. She starts making up your meal, and it takes a little bit. The woman who is besides you finally gets her stuff, and she just kind of goes off and takes a seat somewhere. And by the end of it, you get your meal. It smells great. They actually loaded it with extra bacon for you because you look like a big guy, and you're handed your plate. All right, well, I'm going to sit down at this table right over here, uh, kind of in the middle of everything. Just kind of taking it all in. Oh, one other thing for Al. Mm -hmm. In the far back corner of the room, you see a rather heavy young man. He's got this shirt that seems a little bit too tight for his size, but he's just kind of sitting there. And you caught him kind of putting something on the table and picking it up and putting it back down again a few times. Just as a heads up. Okay. All right. Back to Alan. Who has oh, just Alan. been pacing in circles, desperately attempting to find where he is. Okay, so he gets really lost for some... Uh, I don't know even know how he got this lost, despite but he did. Despite the fact that he's moved two feet. <laughs> yeah, despite the fact that he's moved two feet. Alan ended up kind of just like finally just stopping and standing right next to this older looking gentleman who is also wearing this um, lab coat. Oh, hey, hey, Sonny, how you doing? Uh, well, uh, uh I kind of forgot where I was going. About oh, how can I help you? Well, do you know where you were supposed to be going? I'm up here breakfast bar. I'm kind of hungry, and I smell bacon. <laughs> oh, the bacon is good. I'll tell you that much. Day, uh, roll another perception check since you kind of crit fail, failed crit that. Fail, crit yeah. Fail. If your crit fails again, I swear the campaign's just over. Okay, it's no not fail. a crit fail. It's not a crit fail. I mean, he doesn't have any ranks in perception. This is perfect. He is not a smart do. man. Um, Alan is currently just staring off towards the smell of bacon, and his nose is starting to pick it up a little bit more and direct him. So he's not really paying too much attention to the man who's a little bit shorter than he is and appears a little bit stocky in his build. He's got a short gray beard. Um... And looks a little, I guess you would define as quirky. He says, well, I'll tell you right where the bacon is. It's right up there. Uh, anyway, my name is Doctor. Uh, do I mean, not Doctor. It's a Dr. Gabe Proctor. Dr. Proctor, if you will. I heard Dr. Gay. 
Did I hear <laughs> Dr. you Gabe. <laughs> Dr. Gabe Proctor, Dr. Proctor. Did you say your name was Gay Proctor? No, no, sir. I said Gabe with a B, uh, not a gay. I'm running a little no. slow this morning. But you can just call me Dr. Proctor. Works for me, Mr. Proctor. Anyway, what uh, what are you doing here today? Uh, sleeping. You gotta. <laughs> you're, you're gonna be. You're sleeping. I, I think you're standing up. Well, I will be sleeping and awake up for that. Uh, they call it a sleep a sleep study. Is that is that what it is? Yes, and he uh, takes out his clipboard that he has tucked under his arm, and he kind of says, oh, "Yes, uh, the sleep study. Uh, yes, about um, so we're doing a sleep study here today. Wonderful. Uh, have you had your vitals taken yet?" No. Oh, well, why don't you come on back? I can help you out with that, and we'll get you all situated. But and we'll get you started on that. <laughs> the bacon can wait, but um, I, I can get you all start, started on that. We'll get you all situated. It'll be great. Come on with me. All right, then. Why do I feel right. Why do I feel like this doctor doesn't work here? <laughs> so he's leading you over why, here. Why are you eerily silent when I suggest this? <laughs> Uh, well, okay. He's dead. He leads you over he's dead, to a door. Please make a perception check. Eh. Ooh, Huzzah! There you go. It's a good one. All right. So he starts to walk into this room, but right before you go in, you notice that there's like this little sign that says men on it. Don't drop the soap. <laughs> I proceed. <laughs> I, I cannot, I <laughs> cannot proceed. There we go. See, Zach, right. you thought it was your character that's going to be rotating. <laughs> so Alan, Clearly it's Andrews. we'll be back with you in a minute. Oh, He's going right, to check so his Al. vitals, all right? Yes. Make a perception check. All right. Buttons. Oh, nice roll. Okay. So Al is kind of sitting on the stairs. Not really not suspiciously, but pretty suspiciously just like standing on the stairs. So, um... Uh, I'm I'm looking outside at, at, at this area, this planted area. Oh, we're, oh, we're looking outside. But listening inside. Please roll a stealth. Yeah. I swear. Natural it's one. Hey, we called it. <laughs> Damn no. it. I just oh, fall off God. the stairs. Oh, my God. Boom. So Al is like trying to be kind of stealthy about looking out, but instead he's like careening his neck or craning. Is it craning or craning? Craning his Either neck way. and kind of like leaning over the edge of the stair and kind of like leaning over trying to see and, and get a better, just like hear things better. But the only thing he gets to hear, because like he's got a great perception. So the only thing he hears is, I don't care what you have to say. Dr. Rizabom put me in charge of this place until he returns. Until then... Please return to your posts. I'm sorry. I heard wizard mom. <laughs> Dr. Rizumbom. Okay. So she looks up because she kind of hears like the clinking of your, like the plastic on your jacket is clinking against the railing. And she looks up and she sees you. And in a huff, she turns away and starts like um, military marching away from your line of vision. Oh, no. While the rest of them are kind of just standing there looking a little dumbfounded. The floor is yours. Right. Guess I'll go get some coffee. All right. So you go. Uh, you walk up to the counter. Uh, and the woman who is behind the counter says, Oh, how can I help you? Do you have coffee? Of course we got coffee. What kind of coffee? You want it black? You want it like, oh, we want creamer with it? You want decaf? Caffeinated? Uh, straight from the cow's udder? 
How would we have coffee straight from a cow's udder? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> you know what? Coffee. You know what? I've changed my mind. I'll have a waffle with onions. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> that was really unexpected. Okay. She looks at you and just gives you this look of, are you okay, sir? <laughs> well, I'm definitely not going to be drinking any coffee. Coffee. Let me get this straight. I heard you want a waffle. A waffle with fried onions on top. All right. So I didn't mishear that. Oh, all right. If that's what you want, sir. Yes, please. Do you want syrup with that? No. How about some coffee? Don't make me regret this anymore. <laughs> so she regretfully makes your waffle and onions and passes it off to the woman beside her who passes it off to you because she can't stand it. I'm going to sit down and start eating my waffle. With uh, while, All right. While Al was still at the, uh, the breakfast bar there, my character was going to walk up. Oh, so Al is still at the breakfast bar, uh, getting ready to walk away. I heard this gentleman say something about coffee. You mind if I, uh, could I get a cup of caffeinated black coffee, please? You want coffee? Sure. Sure, honey, what kind you want? You want decaf? You want caffeinated? You want, you want straight from the cow's udder? You want whatever. Uh, ma'am, uh, I don't mean to correct you. Normally, the you, you could have cream straight from the cow's udders, but uh, not, not coffee. Uh, but anyways, uh, caffeinated black. See, Mary, nobody gets your joke. I thought it was funny. All right. It's a bad so you joke. Want... What, what's the joke in the first place? What? Oh. Anyways. Uh, she was saying cow fee instead of coffee. She was saying cow fee. And never mind. It doesn't matter. My character All right, so turns over to Al. You're right. It is a bad joke. Someone with some sense here. Thank you. All right. So she gets you your coffee. Uh, and in that meantime, do you go back to your uh, seat or what do you do? Yeah, I'd go back to my seat. Um, but as I'm sitting down and eating, I would uh, make note of the uh, gentleman uh, in the suit. Oh, well, interesting. Um, because as you were getting ready to sit back down, the young blonde woman who he was uh, talking with and rather loudly uh discussing her choice of clothing. Uh, she storms off down the stairs and he comes over and he says, well, can you believe that young woman dressed like that? It's crazy. I can't believe a man dresses in a full suit to sleep for two weeks. Oh, well, uh, I, I mean, I did come straight from work. Uh, uh, besides the point, uh, it, well, it, anyway, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Chris, Chris Goodson. Well, weren't you just someone's good son now, weren't you? <laughs> I mean... That, that does tend to be the joke. Um, but anyway, uh, so I suppose you're here also for the sleep study. Uh, is there any other reason anyone is here? Well, I, I'm not too sure. I did see a man in a wheelchair earlier coming through here. I was, so I don't know how he'd participate, but hopefully they can help him out. That is what the medical sciences are for. You said you came from work. Must have a fancy desk job somewhere, don't you? Uh, fancy... Not really. Desk job, yeah. If it's not I'm so actually a teller at a bank. They make you dress up in a full suit for that? Well, not really. I just uh, choose to dress like this. Uh, dress for the job you want, not the one I, you have, I suppose. Exactly. That's what my mama always told me. Uh, anyway, uh, so how was that uh, waffle that you got there? I was thinking about getting one myself. Well, you know, it's all right. 
The omelet bar is pretty fantastic, though. Great array of options. Really load you up on it when you say extra bacon. Well, uh, I guess I'll have to go and uh, try that out. Uh, it was nice to meet you, Mr... Schmoot. Uh, sorry, Mr. Schmoot. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you, though. And he reaches out a hand to you. Oh, I, I shake it. Don't right. forget to ask for the cow fee. The, the cow fee? What's the, what's the cow fee? No, not coffee. Cow fee. Cow, cow fee. There you go. And he pats him on the shoulder. <laughs> Every single one of the NPCs has a beautiful story written about them. I just, I love like, okay, so it has his name, right? But attached to his picture is just like, a description, and it just says Boy Scout do-gooder. Can you please read what I wrote, though? Is that you, Clark Ken? Poor Chris Goodson's often the butt of every Superman joke that exists, although being Superman's ass is still pretty good-looking mo. Unfortunately, Chris is not the kind of person to go around introducing himself as Superman's ass. Cursing doesn't go do-good for the soul. Chris is the epitome of a kind and hearted soul. <laughs> I just want you to know, I have ones like written like this Boy Scout every good. single one. This hey, is what you've spent nice the you. last week doing? Hi, it's nice to meet you. I'm Superman's ass. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on back over to Alan. Let's go to Alan. <laughs> Let's. All right, Mr. Alan, here we are. Uh, you you ready? Wouldn't, wouldn't we usually be in a sort of office? Not just the men's room? <laughs> Cleanest place would be the bathroom at this point. Um, they, they clean these places thoroughly, scrub it from top to bottom, and also just in case you have to go to the bathroom, hey, it's right there. Right. So, um, he takes a stethoscope from around his neck and starts to insert the um, the earpieces into his ears. And he says, now, if you wouldn't mind, I gotta take a listen to your uh, lungs there. Do you let him? Is he gonna shove his hand up my shirt, or is he gonna put it on the outside of the shirt? He put it on the outside of the shirt. Okay. I'll let him. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Sounds good. Take a deep breath for me. Wonderful. <sighs> oh, wonderful. Great, great sounds. All right. You, you got good lung sounds, and he marks that down. Let's see. Uh, He continues to perform this exam on you. He doesn't really do anything super invasive, but please roll a sense motive on him. Crit fail, crit fail, crit fail. There's no way if he doesn't have ranks in perception that he has ranks in sense motive. (laughs) You believe that he knows what he's doing. And although he's a little quirky, he's just fine as a doctor. What was that role? I'm sorry. I should have let you read it. It was an eight. Thank you. (sighs) All right. So after a little bit, he says, all right, I'm done with you now. You can head on out and get that breakfast. Uh, Do you need me to take you there? Because you seemed a little lost. He remembers how to get there. Even though he didn't know how to get there the first time. But he smells he remembers what the, the lady bacon. said. He knows what the bacon smells like. So Alan makes his way on over. It was nice to meet you, uh, Mr. I forgot to get his name. <laughs> Great, doctor. <laughs> You're thoroughly convinced he is. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Alan, Alan's going to walk up to the, uh, the breakfast counter and say, uh, well, good morning there, ma'am. Uh, you're at the wrong one. Please go back one more. Thank you. <laughs> I'm the checkout. <laughs> Getting wrecked morning, today, you, poor Alan <laughs> Poor Alan Taylor. He is a country bumpkin. It's just not his day today. <laughs> he is not particularly intelligent. <laughs> you have a negative one in your wisdom. 
Yeah. Yeah, he does. <sighs> He's not exactly what you would describe as big brain. Yo, this cafeteria is popping. Why are there so I'm many sorry, people, people are... at my table? <laughs> they I all want to sign up for this. Right, they well, all do uh, have. To. Hang on, I, I have to meet everybody. There's like 20 people in here now. Right, well, uh, I was very careful did, about did this. Did Superman come back and sit down next to me? Yeah, he's across from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's right across from you. Right. Your name's well, kind of blocking him off. Okay, so Alan. I'll have a, I'll have a double size omelet with everything and extra bacon. You got it, honey. Whatever you want, I'll give you what you need. And some milk. Okay, I can't give you that. Unless you want it to straight from the cows, Ada. You have a cow here? No, but you didn't make... I couldn't make the call. <sighs> she just pauses and, lo- pauses and just looks a little bit defeated. <laughs> you got orange juice? I do have orange juice, but it's right down there at the uh, juice bar right at the end of the counter. You don't even need me to get that for you, honey. All right. So she prepares your food. And she passes it to the lady who's down at the end and who seems to be marking off all the ingredients that are being used. And then she passes you your plate. Told you went to the wrong one. You don't have to be rude about it, ma'am. It was a simple mistake. As you guys are all um, getting ready to like sit down and eat in the cafeteria, the woman in the military garb walks up from the back stair. She walks in in a commanding voice. She grabs everyone's attention. As she walks up, uh, Alan's going to go a- Alan's going to go over and uh, sit next to Superman's ass. Lovely. Ladies and gentlemen, at approximately 0800 we will begin the physical examinations and the health questionnaires. You will remain in this area until you are called, after which you will follow up with one of our doctors. Thank you. And she just leaves after that. Alan already followed up with a doctor. <laughs> what time is it? I check my watch so, on my wrist. I'm, I'm gonna look for a clock uh, around the uh, the cafeteria. Oh, he oh, might have job, he Alan. might have found a clock with that. I rolled a twelve. You can see that the time is currently seven forty-five in the morning. Not think it was this early. You arrived at 0700. Charles makes a note of Alan's meal, points at it with his fork. Uh I remember back in my day, I could scarf down something like that. Got good taste, though. Loaded up with everything. Well, uh, compared to back home, this is a modest breakfast. I'd eat twice this at home, but uh, didn't want to impose too much on them. Why not? They said free food. Gotta take what you can get. Well, I like to think my ma- that my ma raised an honest man. I don't like to uh, steal from others, and kind of feels like stealing. It's stealing when someone offers you assistance or help. Okay, look, man, I am not good with crowds. I feel awkward <laughs> as hell right now. <laughs> That's why he did so well in the back room with Dr. Proctor. <laughs> I feel like I'm giving oh. him a little too low of a voice. <laughs> All right, so actually, um, Alan, as you start talking, the man that is on your left, he's wearing like this similar kind of plaid-styled shirt. Uh, with a white undershirt underneath of the plaid, the plaid being rolled up a little bit, and he's got blue jeans on and a uh, trucker's cap. He looks over at you and he says, "What? Well, hello there, sir. Howdy. I do declare, where are you from? Ohio. Ohio. Interesting. I wanted to make a joke. <laughs> he's a Ohio. Ohio. How you doing, Ohio? <laughs> what kind of work are you into? Farming. Farming. You and me both, sir. My family's been doing potatoes since, uh... The Great Potato Famine. I think it's four generations. 
think it's my great great grandfather started the farm. I'm not too sure. I'm not good with math. That would line up with the Great Potato Famine. Just say it. Wasn't that in 1845? Yeah, in 1845. What does that have to do at all with Ohio? And they needed to import potatoes from Ohio. So the man next to you says, well, it's a pleasure to meet you there, sir. My name is John Johnson from Johnson & Johnson Feed and Tractor Supply. I'm actually born and bred here uh, from Virginia in Spotsylvania. In what? my hand out to, to shake his hand. He takes your hand and he gives you a nice firm man handshake. Roll a strength check. Oh, he is going to roll, roll the most girlish handshake, isn't he? No, there you go. You match him in, in, in your handshake strength and you both give each other a firm grip and you feel a brotherly bond forming between you. Yes. He kind of just starts talking with you and chatting up and I'm going to show this to you. Uh, you can read this off, Andrew. This is basically what his bio is. Because he starts talking with you since you have such a good relationship with him already. He starts just telling you about why he's here and whatnot. John Johnson from Johnson and Johnson Feed and Tractor Supply. John is a born and bred Virginia man raised on the rural country of Spotsylvania. Fortunately, Mr. Johnson of Johnson and Johnson Feed and Tractor Supply passed away. His pop, to be clear. Mr. Johnson is alive and well himself, to be clear. <laughs> good Lord. And ever since then, the business has been struggling to make up the finances used to cover the cost of the funeral. Knew we should have cremated the old man. <laughs> Good lord. He looks at you really quick and he says, uh, just so you know, I saw you were talking with uh, Mr. Dr. Proctor over there. Just stay clear of him. Eh? He says he's a doctor, but he ain't no doctor. He goes around to different clinics in the... Uh, state and he likes to pretend that he's a doctor but he's pretty well known throughout the entire state of Virginia so just be wary of him is he some kind of is he some kind of queer no please now read Dr. Gabe Proctor's bio Mr. Uh, Dr. Proctor is a self-proclaimed doctor of God knows what while lacking in a degree of any kind Dr. Mr. Dr. Proctor often finds himself attempting to stand in the role of other physicians across the country Lucky for him, almost everyone in town knows he's a quack, so they don't take to what he says too seriously. Doctor, Mister, Doctor, Proctor. Nope. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Mister, Doctor, Professor, welcome. President, Proctor. Okay. Well, so since I already met Superman over here and I had the bus ride with Alan Taylor, and it seems like we're all doing introductions. Anyone else want to share with the class their name? The young man next to you says, "Uh oh, um." He's wearing, like, this nice button-down white shirt, gray slacks, um, and he's got dark, like, almost black hair. And the woman next to him is wearing a similarly colored outfit with dark, like, almost black hair. And he he looks a little bit more well put together, but a little nervous. And the young woman next to him is just kind of, like, looking at him, almost like she's watching for his cue. And he's he says, uh, well, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Kevin, uh... I, I'm just kind of here today to participate in the study. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's why we're all here today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so y'all are from out of state, I see. Well, except for yeah. John Johnson and Johnson. Uh, yeah. I, I, um, uh, anyway, this is my sister, Kelsey. Uh, we are kind of locals in the area and we kind of heard about this. So uh, we're just going to be participating uh, today. Uh, go on, Kelsey. Um. Hi, I'm 
I'm Kelsey. It's nice to meet everybody. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! They I'm both gonna... just kind of sit there awkwardly. I kind of want to roll sense motive into that. <laughs> I'm Kelsey. Yeah, sense motive. You also, by the way, Mr. Zero ranks in sense motive. You do realize you have to nat crit to get an a hunch against something. Is that how is that how bad things are? Yes. So sense motive DCs to get a generic hunch about something. The sense motive DC is a 20 flat to discern oh, a secret message or a lie is based off of the character's bluff. Hmm. So yeah, you kind of have to net crit. I mean, it's possible. You can kind of hold on for Charles. Why don't you roll a sense motive on that then as well? Sure. Bye. Okay. Charles believes that there's nothing really wrong with that conversation that just happened. Just two kids who seem pretty shy. Um, while one looks like he's probably in his early twenties, he just kind of here, and the other one, pretty young but kind of just. Here, not really much to them. Alan, you feel a little uneasy odd. about them. Yeah, you, you feel a little funny about them uh, overall, but you're not sure why, and you can't place it. it. It's not like you feel like they're not really telling a lie, and or they're, they're not saying anything. Queer. You just get this funny feeling. Yeah, something's wrong. Something's weird. Alan, John continues to talk with you pretty much about all farm and stuff, and your brotherly bond continues to grow. I love uh, that combine we got two years ago. Now, Al, what are you up to, Al? I see you've been eating your uh, waffles and onions. Mm. Jesus. Mm. Waffles. After, as you were eating those um, onion and waffles, a woman comes over to you. She is wearing like this businessy looking suit kind of thing. And she walks over and she sits down like very upright and prompt in front of you. And she has like a little notebook placed under her palm. You don't really look up from your food, though, as you're eating, I'm assuming. Nope. Nope. You continue. Gotta enjoy these waffles. Or waffle. So she continues to sit there. And as a little bit more time passes, a an older gentleman, um, African-American gentleman, comes up. He is wearing... Actually, roll a perception for me. See if you even notice, because now at this point, you're just kind of focused on the food in front of you. All right. I mean, I'm probably noticing. 24. Okay, so you actually are able to catch out of the corner of your eye and it actually catches your attention. So you kind of look up more readily at this point and you see this African-American gentleman who sits down at your table. He's sitting there. He has uh, what looks like to be like an old scuffed up uh, worn leather notebook and he's wearing very like degenerated clothing. Like it's all torn up and just looks very dirty. But he looks very bright um, and he's just sitting down He's eating a little bit of, like, eggs and whatnot. But the woman in front of you says, Hello? Excuse me? Hello? Is she speaking to me or the older man? She's speaking to you. Yes, can I help you? Hi, I'm Sophie. It's nice to meet you. I'm from the Roanoke Times. I'm just here uh, interviewing some people, seeing how they feel about today, and uh, just trying to see what your reasons are for being here. And she pulls out her pen and clicks it. Well, it's definitely not the waffles, I can tell you that much. They're not that good. Definitely not the waffles. So why not the waffles? Tell me more. <laughs> well, they have onions on them. <laughs> no, the onions he asked for those. Too dry, too starchy, not enough moisture. Exactly. These waffles weren't well done. Well, uh, 
personally, I'm here looking for a bit of an extra funds for some research I'm conducting. Oh, research. Wonderful. What kind of research? Is there any program that you're involved in? Who, uh, who do you work for? Is there a company specifically? And she gets like really wide eyed as she asks, asks this of you. Well, I'm a pharmaceutical scientist. I work on drug development, uh, basically trying to develop new medicines and whatnot to help to help the general people. Interesting, very interesting. That sounds kind of similar to what Oros has been doing. Uh, do you know anything about this company, Oros? Well, they've apparently promised $10,000 for some sleep study. Yes, that's always wonderful and whatnot. And as she continues to go on, the man from outside who is smoking kind of walks over and he says, Hey, baby, how's it going? You know, you can interview me at any time if you want. I'll answer whatever question you uh, got there, see? And she just pauses. Well, I'm not interested in what you have to say. However, um, Mr. <clears throat> and she gestures to you. The name's Alfred Zach. Kenneth Mest. Al K. Mest, if you will. Okay. I, perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this time. It's really um, important to the folks of Roanoke, Virginia, to hear the news about what the sleep study is about. Um, I'm just here today uh, just trying to get that information. It's wonderful, isn't it? She kind of just, like, laughs as she watches you eat the waffles. How many of these people are inside agents? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? what? Inside agent. <laughs> Why not? I, I want to roll a sense motive on this lady. There's kind of in line with uh, him being uh, a major skeptic. Oh. <laughs> is that a natural crit? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Um. So you understand that her motives are very honest. She is being very forthright with you. And she actually, as she's conversing with you, you kind of learn more about who she is. So why don't you go ahead and read this off for us? Sophie Zell, reporter for the Roanoke Times. The company has been struggling financially for years due to surge of digital newspapers. Unfortunately, the Roanoke Times never got with the Times and has been lacking the funds to pay employees. Luckily, Sophie is one heck of a guy, and as her love for being a reporter trumps her love for her money, she stuck around. Of course, she still has to pay the bills, which is why she's here. Ah, wonderful. The time passes by pretty quickly, and after those, what is it, 15 minutes that were left? Yeah, was something 15? about 15, because we got, it was yeah. probably about okay. 7.45 when we checked the clock. Okay, so all of you make perception checks, please. Hey, he actually noticed something. It's a 17. <laughs> Crit <food. laughs> But Charles didn't. Please read off your perceptions, because I realize I'm just looking at the numbers and not 14. letting you say them. One. Well, seven, technically. But Beautiful. we all know it's a crit pit. Charles is just kind of busy just looking around the entire area, still trying to figure out where the clock is, I guess. I don't know. What would he, what would, what would he be doing at this point that he would be distracted? Um, he'd kind of just be like taking in a surround. He's probably getting a little bit overwhelmed and kind of just like internalizing his own thoughts uh, and thinking to himself, probably just like lost in memories. You Did those two just scoot away from him. <laughs> so Alan actually notices that both Kevin and Kelsey kind of scooted over by one seat away from Charles. Um, and they kind of seem to be off in their own little world right now discussing. But you do hear the clinking of heels against the metal grating of the stairs, followed by the footsteps of some 
several other heavier footsteps up the stairs. And you turn and you look at the main entrance to the cafeteria and you see the three individuals that were down at the bottom who were discussing with the woman who was in the military uniform. Al, you hear the same thing and you turn around and you see these three individuals, the one with the red hair, uh, the man who has the dark hair and the uh, slightly grayed sideburns, and the younger man who looks a little bit nervous. They step forward and actually the woman steps forward and she says, all, all right, everyone, we're going to be getting started. Um, thank you so much for joining us today here at Oros Facilities. So today, everyone knows that we are going to be starting to perform a sleep study. So you'll be coming with us one at a time and we'll be doing a physical examination on you as well as uh, offering out a questionnaire. If you are selected for the sleep study, you will remain with us here today and we will actually begin the study later on. Otherwise, for those of you who have traveled a long way and that we'll be sending home, we will pay for your tickets back home. So just give us a few moments and we'll start calling you back one by one. Immediately following okay. her finishing her words, uh, Alan is going to begin stuffing the remaining half of his double-sized omelet in his mouth and down his throat, swallowing while shoveling food in. John pats you on the back. That's right, buddy. You go on and take that all down. Yeah, come on. He starts like clanking his plastic cup against the table, like cheering you on, which in turn, everyone kind of turns and looks at you guys. <laughs> God, what are those idiots doing now? I'm going to down the rest of it with the, with the, uh, the remainder of the orange juice. Meanwhile, as you, as you start like just downing it all, uh, Chris, who's next to you, um, kind of says, hold on there, sir, please don't, don't take that so fast. You could choke on that. And that would be a problem that would put all of us in a, in a state of emergency if you start choking. And he's like trying to get you to slow down while John is like, go for it. Take another uh, sip. Yeah. He even puts the rest of his food on your plate. Should just to I see roll what fortitude to see if he chokes? Please do. He passed. Ooh. Nah, he good. That's a 20. All right. So Alfred, you are brought back to one of the back rooms with the young woman with the red hair. And she says, all right, um, Mr. Alfred Kenneth Mest. Um, well, welcome to Oros Facilities and Laboratories. Uh, please just take a seat on one of the beds over there. Uh, please just pick one of the beds. I can't see. By uh, the way, it's great because we can hear this, but we can't see what's going on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can hear this at the door, but you can't see it. So it's perfect. So she has the... um assistant basically start taking your vital signs and doing a quick scan over you. Uh, she says, so, um, Mr. Alfred, let me just introduce myself. Uh, my name is Dr. Abbott, Dr. Laura Abbott. So please just tell me what brings you here to Oros uh, for this sleep study? A lot of people interested in that today, apparently. Uh, well, I'm in need of a bit of additional funds for some pharmaceutical research. I see. I see. Uh, very interesting. So you're looking for additional funds. Do you have any interest at all in the results of the sleep study? Well, I mean, I would be interested in what the primary, what the primary goal of the study is. What are we looking for, per se? Okay. Um, roll a diplomacy all check right. from you really quick. About a 13. So for the sleep study, we are looking to see... Uh, if we can confirm the results that we had uh, from our NASA testing facilities. For example, we did see that there was improved um, 
attention spans and people who had used the pods for a short period of time, as well as things such as increased libido, if that's something that you're interested in. We've actually seen improved moods. So people who've had depressive episodes have actually found themselves to be in better moods overall and in healthier mental states. So we're just looking to confirm those results and statistics and also to see if this is something that the public would be interested in having access to in the future, although the future is now. The future is more along the lines of tomorrow. What we're doing now is working towards the future. Yes. Um, anyway, so she looks at the chart that the uh, assistant walks over to her and she looks it over and she's looking at it and she says, well, it looks like everything's in order. You appear to be very healthy. Uh, please just fill out this health questionnaire and she hands you a piece of paper that basically set, asks you questions like, do you smoke? Do you have a history of like lung disease, heart issues, etc.? cetera? Uh, does your character have any strange issues that she needs to be aware of, for example? Good answer. Good okay. answer. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So you hand that back over and she says, all right, perfect. It sounds good. So I'm just going to give you over. This is our informed consent. Just take a look at this. And when you're ready, please feel free to sign this paperwork. I just realized, by Let the way... Let me give you this paperwork. Um, this physical mm -hmm. might be a good way to shoehorn this in. I don't think we ever gave our characters physical descriptions. You didn't. So, Al, please describe yourself. Uh, I'm average 35-year-old male. Uh, I'm not particularly tall, but I'm not short either. I'm a bit on the spindly side, uh, not physically very strong, okay. okay. but I do have a pretty decent sharp eye, so I can, you know, I'm decent at spotting things and whatnot. Beautiful. All right. So she hands you over uh, that informed consent form and she allows you to look it over. All right. Next up in our list order would be Mr. Smoot, right? Yep. Q-R-S-T. Yeah. All right. So you are called back and you follow back the man with the dark hair with the slightly grayed sideburns. And he says, come along with me, Mr. Charles. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. My name is Dr. Slayton. So tell me a little bit about what brings you here today. Well, it's a sleep study, isn't it? I could use to get some. Been having a hard time sleeping recently with everything that's going down. And I mean, hey, $10,000 isn't going to hurt anyone, is it? No, sir, it will not. Do you have any questions before we proceed with the physical examination? Any questions before then? No, not really. I guess we're all good to go. All right. Please take a seat on one of the beds. We would just go and sit on the uh, nearest one, I suppose. Okay. So the assistant in the room starts to take your vital signs and check you out. Mm. Mm. No, nah, I'm kidding. But he checks out, like, your entire physique and whatnot. So he finishes up with your examination and he hands over the paperwork to Dr. Slayton, who takes it, looks it over, says, your lung capacity could be better. Are you a smoker, sir? Uh, used to be. Uh, old habit. Dropped it uh, 30 some odd years ago. Oh, man. That's a lie. Bluff that. It's fine. What was that bluff? It was a nine. It's a good bluff. Mr. Smoot, please be honest with me. I must warn you, any experimental study comes with risks. If you're not honest with me on your health questionnaire, you do put yourself at a higher risk for side effects. All right. I'm, it was an old habit that I dropped a long time ago. I, I picked it back up a little bit recently, but I mean, obviously, since the facilities don't allow it, I barely picked it up for about a week. My lungs should be repairing themselves to a degree. 
I was getting plenty of fresh air, good exercise, been haven't really smoked much in, like I said, uh, 30 years. It's the first time I've picked it back up this past week. Just a little bit of anxiety, stress. Probably also counted towards why I couldn't sleep too well. Understandable. However, sir, Mr. Smoot, I must say, as a doctor, I highly recommend against smoking. And, well, please just fill out this health questionnaire. Beyond your lung capacity at this moment, which should repair itself, I don't see anything else wrong. Please just fill out the health questionnaire to the best of your ability, and we will proceed from there. All right. Thank you. All right. So you fill out the health questionnaire. Does your character have any other known health issues? And also at this time, take the moment and describe your character. Um, so Charles Smoot, uh, 57-year-old man, uh, grayed, slicked back hair, is clearly past his prime. Uh, but he, he still has remnants of a very sturdy and large physique. He actually is six foot five, weighing 257 pounds. He still very much cares about his physique and is in shape. Um, but you can see that he is kind of aged and withered and a little bit more tired, not clearly uh, sticking to as intense of a regimen as he used to. Interesting. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, so your character fills out the question, health questionnaire honestly, correct? Correct. All right. And your character has no other health conditions that they need to know of. So, therefore, he takes it, he looks at it, and he says, All right, now please take a good, a long look at this form. This is your informed consent that you are participating in the sleep study. So, he hands over the paperwork to you as well. Do you have any questions before we proceed? Let me, let me look at this. Okay. So, your character's going to look at it, and then we're going to move over to Alan. I just see Alan and Al just running up and down the hallway, by the way. That's only because you keep running all over the place like an idiot. An idiot. Yeah, says the idiot who couldn't find the the snack bar. My God. Okay. So, uh, Alan, you are. Sir, are hurtful. You're pulled back into the room by the young looking scientist who seems a little bit on the nervous side with a dark. Uh, with the brown hair and just kind of a little shaky, but he brings you back. Uh, hello, Mis- Mr. Allen. Uh, my name is uh, Do- Dr. Dunker. Nice to meet you. What are there? He put, he put, he puts it's it's nice to meet you, too. You squeeze his hand tightly. It, he barely, like, grabs back, and you can kind of feel like he kind of gives under, it, and he looks, like, a little bit taken back by how, like, hard you gripped his hand. And he's like, uh, um, excuse me. Um, and he pulls his hand away really quickly. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, no, no worries. Uh, uh, and he just starts to recite. Uh, our promise is that the promise will bring you a more restful sleep than what you had while in your mother's womb. Interesting choice of words. Uh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm a bit uh on the nervous side. Uh, do you, uh, please uh please take a seat on the bed, and uh, my assistant there will uh check out your health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a doctor. <laughs> I just realized Alan keeps getting the he weird really doctors. Does. <laughs> it's not on purpose either. Are you short about sit down on the bench? Okay, so your character sits down on the bench. The assistant starts checking out your vital signs and everything. And as soon as he puts like the blood pressure cuff around your arm, he kind of looks at it and he says, hmm. "Oh, Snow, there is one thing. Um, if at yes. any point, yes, that someone tries to go under his shirt, he would." far prefer to just open his shirt. This is important for something that I had written up. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, sure, we'll go with this. Uh, at this point, the 
assistant uh, takes out his stethoscope and attempts to put it on your chest, but he's like, um, sir, I, I need to get under your shirt, so would you mind if I just uh, hold kind on, of... I got this. Just unbutton that a little uh, bit? So he'll unbutton the, uh, the, the... Well, actually, no, he'll, he'll just unbutton his whole, his whole shirt to reveal an unwholesomely hairy chest with chest hair shaped like Ohio. Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is what you had saved? <laughs> And we Just thought Al was going to be the nut job. <laughs> he lost the bet. God. <laughs> I just realized two of our characters can go by Al. Oh, no. He'll look down at his open shirt and uh, kind of nervously go, uh, I, uh, I lost a bet. <laughs> Dr. Dunker walks over and he kind of says, Wow, that, that's um, some mighty wonderful... Uh, Landscaping, sculpting, manscaping. That that's the one. That, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> oh my god! And he's just like, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that that way. Uh, oh god, please, no. I have a fiance, a woman fiance. Just to clarify. Hey, hey, ain't gotta explain nothing to me. And he just goes back to his seat and he flops down into it and just kind of covers his face, like, oh my god, what is wrong with me right now? <laughs> so he just sighs and he says. Well, it looks like you're fit as a fiddle. Is there uh, uh, anything else I need to know about? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, the You need to fill out this health questionnaire. Take this moment to describe your character, please. Uh, I feel like we all have a good idea of his character now. <laughs> you lost a bet. I know about his chest hair. <laughs> well, he is a uh, 5'11", white male with a uh, well-trimmed beard that goes a little bit up uh, above his uh, upper lip. He's uh, relatively fit, works on a farm, and has been working on a farm since he's a kid. So, pretty well fit, in shape, but not too in shape. Okay. Also, dark dark brown hair. All right. So, your character fills out the health questionnaire, and it's handed back over to Dr. Bunker. Yeah. Also, forgot to mention, he is uh, 26. Uh, Dr. Bunker looks over the health questionnaire, and he kind of just pauses for a moment. He says, uh, listen, you don't you don't have any health problems, do you? that we don't know about, right? Uh, you're at a high, higher risk of side effects if you meet certain conditions. Be honest, you're healthy, right? I mean, aside from my mother smoking while she was pregnant, I should be. Okay, so, uh, all right, uh, uh, all right. A- anything else we need to know about? Anything at all? Please, just, just tell I us. I had the flu when I was six. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Um, as long as you're sure that you've told us everything, I guess I'll have to trust you. Um, so... Here and he hands over the informed consent page and says, "When you're ready, you sign that form, and then you'll be able to participate." All right. He's just gonna go straight to page two and sign it. Perfect. <laughs> Not even read it over. Well, do you have any questions, Mister Mest? Not particularly. Okay. So, does your character just sign the form? Yeah. He, j- he signs. Okay. Two down, <laughs> one to go. Well, Mister Smoot, do you have any questions? Um. Yeah, everything seems to be in order, except uh, in the first uh, part of the article you gave me and uh, the third paragraph down under the research description, all it's... Uh, actually, the second paragraph, pardon me. Um, it, it says that the participant will be provided after the allocated time for the project stated his past, and that participation is required uh, for the full amount of time. Uh, but nowhere in the documentation does it state exactly how long the program will be taking place for. 
It, do we know exactly how long we'll be here for? I remember something hearing about it only lasting ten days. But it'd be rather odd for that to be omitted from the actual paperwork. That is... Let me see that. And he takes the form from you and he starts to read it over. I see what you're saying. Very, um, interesting. And he takes a pen and he writes on the side 10 days and he signs it with his signature on, and dates it. He says, that should clear it up for now. I will have to, uh, unfortunately, it seems like we'll have to go back through all the forms we have and do this manually. Thank you for pointing that out. It, the lot of time is 10 days. All right, great. Although, and he just kind of pauses and he says... Do you have any other questions, or do you feel... No, that about clears it up. So he says, So while you're participating in this study, you may feel a sense of euphoria afterwards. This is perfectly normal. It will fade quickly along with the money. And he just kind of pauses, and he says, Well, see you later today. And he gets up, and he kind of leaves the room, and you are escorted out by the assistant. Congratulations, guys. You've signed your first document. which is such a dude bro name can you guys can you guys see their Someone. names on, on the Aros document yeah Aros subjects oh, yeah, yeah. Chris Goodson Gabe Proctor John Johnson and Sophie Zelly yeah those are the ones, yeah, only that, ones you that, can that, see right that, now those, because yeah. you've had alright so next up we will move on huzzah magic powers huzzah magic powers alright so my question to you is now do you have any favorite NPCs at this moment in time? I personally did not much care for Chris Goodson. I want to make that clear. <laughs> okay. I see him on the list and I want to make sure he just seems so bland and milk toast. <laughs> Is there anybody that you're curious about that your characters would be interested in learning more about? I mean, the brother and younger sister were kind of interesting because they had an air of mystery to them. Um, the large gentleman in the back table who was playing some with something seemed mildly intriguing too, except I just didn't get a chance uh, to interact with him. And then there was like an entire table of ruffians to my left of like... <laughs> Like, all like, these hooded smokers with skateboards and guitars and girls with, like, really short shirts and, like, tight skirts. And I never got to interact with them, but it just felt like a group of high school kids. And I felt like, I like my character needed to mentor toward them. A girl wearing a short shirt is a ruffian. She is a ruffian with a short shirt and a tight skirt. Those dang kids. Okay, look, look at my character. They're not even. I was particularly partial to Sophie Zelli. I like the reporter girl, and I also... She seemed interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the siblings and Sophie were probably the ones I enjoyed the most. Okay. So you all are brought back to the locker room. So you're in the male locker room, and everyone is kind of getting ready to put away all their stuff. This is your opportunity to interact with any other of the other characters. Uh, everyone make perception checks, please. And... Got a 14. 13. Al, as you're standing next to the guy who is smoking outside uh you learn pretty quickly that his name is uh carter carter ringfield and he's kind of conversing with chris goodson who's basically scolding him but you kind of learn a little bit more about the character so you can go ahead and read that off he's a nice guy i tell you well mr ringfield is the sort of guy you don't bring home to your mother <laughs> you can bet your bottom dollar he'd bring home a box of abandoned kittens oh Cool and aloof, Carter likes to think he's the only catch in town. 
He has a weakness to cute things. Yes. So he's being scolded currently by Chris because he's literally trying to light up a cigarette in the room again. Aside from the smokes, I like him. So uh, Chris actually grabs the smokes from him and says, you can hold on to the, put these away. Well, you can get them later. We're going to be going in here to this place soon and you shouldn't be smoking in such a small room. You could get us all sick. He kind of just looks at him, Carter, just because, listen, dude, listen, I'm just going to live my life. See, like, here we are. We're all together in this one freaking room. So, I mean, oh, fine. Take my smokes. I don't need them right now. And he kind of just puts his jacket in the locker. But Al, you notice that he pockets his lighter. And you know that your characters, all of you know, that you were told to put everything, all of your personal affects in the locker. There's going to be an explosion. So he pockets his thing. Boom. Roasted. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Alive. Roasted alive. Okay. So, Charles, you overhear the conversation between the large African-American man that was talking to the younger African-American man outside. You hear this man kind of coaching this younger guy in how, like, what he's supposed to do. And you learn that his name is David. David. David Oluwasola. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is, this is David. A businessman of sorts. He's quite experienced in participating in medical studies. He's teaching his nephews the ropes of making the system work for you. Like I said, son, you don't want to, you, you want to hide the kush. Don't show them the kush. Keep it away. He was talking about weed earlier. I again. think we all know what Kush stands for. Thank you for enunciating. Okay. <laughs> just in case it wasn't clear. So the young guy's just like, please, Uncle David, please, please. Uh, seriously, I literally just wanted to go on vacation. This is not what I was looking forward to. But you learn that his name is Ozzy Ezra. The not so thrilled, but brilliant Ozzy. While Ozzy likes his uncle, he wasn't really expecting this while he was on vacation. The money's nice, but being home would be better. He's like the cool, aloof teenager kind of thing. I don't know how he got into this, but apparently his uncle, uh, I think, posed as his parent or something. Probably. So you guys all kind of see the chubby looking guy. He's kind of um, at one of the lockers, kind of pulling off of a duffel bag. But as he does, the duffel bag falls onto the ground and you see that there are a few books that kind of spill out, like just the corner of it. And it looks like there's like a dragon on one of them. And you see. I I want to look at his books. I would walk over as well. Bring a little bit of light reading with you. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I brought some uh, light reading with me. Hi, Uh, sirs. Did he bring porn? It's got a dragon. Yeah, because mo- most porn I read has dragons in it too. You're right. <laughs> uh, no, 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 it's not porn. Oh, uh, please, no, 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 don't tell my mother that. That's, she would freak out. No, it's not porn. Uh, my, it's just this. <laughs> <laughs> the last name got me. I couldn't. All right, I'm gonna read this in the best way possible. Andrew, Andrew Booker. Booker, master of Dungeons and Dragons and the Slayer of Dragons. <laughs> Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Master of Dungeons and Slayer of Dragons. There you go. Andrews lives most of his 30 years in the dungeon he, he called his mother's basements. But at this point, Andrews' mother decided it was time for him to move out. Unfortunately, without any real job experience, Andrew has found it very difficult to find a job that was fund his expensive hobby and pay his rent to yeah, his mother. <laughs> he says, see, no, it's not porn. And he pulls out a Dungeons and Dragons 
manual, as well as a Pathfinder manual. Inception! I was preparing for my uh, next campaign. I have the gang getting together next week. Uh, well, not next week. It, technically, it would be ten days from now, so campaign. I'm getting ready for that. Gang? What, are you some kind of terrorist? Uh, no, 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 not like that. It's like a gaming group. We, we play uh, we play this game called Dungeons and Dragons. I'm, I'm trying to get them into Pathfinder because it's a better game overall. <laughs> Calm down, Mr. Taylor. It's just a game kids play. I dabbled a little bit. Wasn't really my forte. Pen and paper style kind of stuff. Uh, Kevin approaches him. Oh, uh, you, uh, you're a dungeon master. That's really cool. I used to play when I was a kid. Uh, you know, back when my mom was still around. Um, so he kind of starts having like a nice conversation with, uh, Andrew. Andrew. Ha. Ha ha ha. And, and then you learn a little bit more about this character. Kevin is the elder of the Kissinger siblings. Finances in the home have always been difficult, especially since their parents died when they were young. Kevin has always been there for his younger sister, Kelsley, but it's getting to be the time for them to start thinking about having families of their own. Kevin is hoping to give the money to his sister and help her jumpstart her new life. Basically, you all have conversations. Uh, there's a lot of other characters in here. I think we're going on a little bit too long for characters, though. Al, you escaped. Get back in here. <laughs> How does he keep running off? I don't know. The door was locked, I swear. Alan's going to put a hand on Al's shoulder. And just keep him from running. He's going to look him dead in the eyes and say, man, you have got to stop running around. They're going to get mad at you. The man that's behind um, you, Alan, kind of puts his hand on your shoulder. He is a relatively tall black man. He's the one that was wearing the uh, scruffy looking clothes. And he kind of just says, you have your hands full there. If they wanted to keep me out of a place, they would lock the door. He just says, that is true. But as history has shown us, sometimes those locked doors, they have to be broken open. I don't know where I was going with that. I had actually a thought process. Anyway, my name is Mr. Uh, uh, not Mr. Uh, I was actually a school teacher, so I'm kind of used to being called Mr. Uh, anyway, my name is Eugene. Do I ever hear this? Eugene? Eugene Jones is a man of many hats. That is to say, he's a history teacher, James Wood High, and a youth inventionist, interventionist, for the inner city children in need. But recently, funding for the school was cut, and with that, his job went too. So... Poor man. Do I overhear uh, the the conversation? Why does he... He looks like the grandpa from Boondocks. (laughs) Oh, goodness, no. Do not make me think about that show. I very particularly stopped watching that show. It is the grandpa from Pooh Ducks. Yes, but you overhear that. I walk over to the individual. Uh, school teacher, you say? I'm one myself. I teach biology. How about yourself? Well, I, I was a teacher of history not too long ago, up until about last month. Hey, your friend is running away again. Is he special needs? Uh, he needs some special attention, that's for sure. I used to work with some of the special needs children in the schools. Gave them a lot of attention. Really helps, especially if you give them, like, uh, consistent rewards. Positive reinforcement is the best method. I don't know how you positively reinforced Al, but there you go. I pull out my wallet. I feel like he's been positively reinforced too much, and people... And maybe he just needs a little bit of strict rigor. I pull a $1 bill out of my wallet and call for Al. Does Al return? Do you smell the money, Al? I'm, I'm no. coming for him. <laughs> I'm coming for him. Al, 
What do you want? I will give you a dollar if you stop running about. And I will give you another dollar if you continue to stop running about for the next hour. Hey. That's, that's a whole two dollars. Carter steps up. I'll take that dollar. I'll stick by you whenever you need me to. Mm. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> Listen here, C. We're all here for that money, right? I just want some rest. The man in the wheelchair agrees with you and he's he says, I'm actually here to hopefully alleviate some of this discomfort I'm in. Meet Rupert Despani. Mr. Despani was honorably discharged from the army after an injury that caused him to become a paraplegic. He's here today in hopes that this study might help alleviate some of his pain so he can finally sleep well. I don't need the money. I just need to rest. Last character. That's it. I'm not doing any more of this. All the women can go rot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See how you feel about them, hon. Well, I would agree that um, I would say the money isn't important except for the fact that I kind of need the money so I can get back to, you know, England. I'm kind of stuck here. Uh, one of the men who was who was the schmuck at the table that was surrounded by all the women that you noticed. So that's why they were all. They were mm. attracted to the British man. They were attracted Facts. to the British guy. That's how it works. <laughs> we all know. Meet Cole Abel. Cole came over from England about a year ago. Unfortunately, recent fraud on his credit cards left him flat broke and the banks won't do anything about it. Due to Cole's good looks and excellent physique, he often receives a lot of unwanted attention from women. Hadn't even read that we call. Is it truly unwanted, though? <laughs> All right. So, I mean, it could be he could be gay, like seemingly <laughs> every other character. <laughs> All right. So after you guys finish putting away your things, you come out into the hallway where you are met by Dr. Abbott, who is standing there and she smiles at you and she says, all right, this way, gentlemen. You all follow her out of the room to the left, down the hall, just a little ways until you reach some sliding doors, which part almost immediately as soon as she walks up and puts her name badge against this little box on the wall, flashes green and the doors part. You slowly start to file in um, after her and you see that there is this desk in front of you as soon as you walk in uh, and a glass partition and past that you can see that there are these rows of pods uh, it looks like they're by fours four on the left side of the room four on the right side and in the back it looks like they kind of had to finagle some space and there are six lined up against the back wall Dr. Abbott takes a seat at the desk uh, where she is sitting in front of a computer system um, and there are papers spread all over the place. Uh, I'm sorry, don't mind the mess. Um, so you're just going to go and pick one of the pods to go and lay in. She's, as she sits down at the desk, she looks at the computer screen um, and you hear her kind of typing on a keyboard. And then after a moment, she presses down on a key really hard and you hear this little beeping sound coming from a monitor on the face of the pod. And the door... Um, while there is a metal frame around it, it appears that there is a glass layer that you can see the inside of the pod. And on this glass face, you see the words Oros and underneath of it, Promise, P-R-M-I-S. In front of the room, you see these really strange looking pieces of equipment where there's a older gentleman who appears to be doing maintenance on them. He turns to Dr. Abbott, gives a thumbs up, takes the pen out of his mouth, and he writes down something on a clipboard. He stands up, looks at you all, 
waves, smiles, and starts to head out of the room. But now's the time to select your pod, gentlemen. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm assuming we get to pick which pod we jump in. You get to pick your pod, yes. I'm going to take this one. Pick I'm your take the one next pod. to Al so I can keep an eye pick on him. your pod. So, it's time. So, Dr. Abbott steps forward. She says, all right. Once you all enter the pods, it might feel a little tight in there. Just take in some deep breaths. And after a few moments, you will fall asleep. And we'll come and get you in the next few days, all right? I will be monitoring you. And we'll be trading off. So we'll see you guys in 10 days, all right? Just as you're about to enter the pods, Kevin, who's right beside you, Alan, looks up and he kind of just seems to scan the room and it dawns on him. And he says, wait, where are where are the girls? Where's my sister? Dr. Abbott says in response, oh, don't worry. The women are doing this in another room. This is just for their safety and comfort. So don't worry. In 10 days time, you'll see her again. Don't worry. She smiles and Kevin looks a little nervous, but he seems to accept that response. So you guys are put into the pods. Ooh, space sounds. Hey guys, Snow here. Thank you so much for listening to the first part. And you heard that right. The first part of episode one. Part two is coming out. Don't you worry. We didn't forget about it. We just had to split the first episode into two parts that way. It was still about an hour and a half to an hour each. We didn't want to kill you with a really long first episode. So on to the announcements now. First off, again, Thank you so much for giving this episode a chance and taking a listen to The Gate Chronicles. This is the second revival, or actually the second, yeah, I guess this would be, no, this would be the first revival of the series. So, yay! So thank you so much for giving it a chance, and hopefully we can get you to stick by us for the rest of the series. And also, if you have been enjoying this episode or you enjoyed us overall. Please share us with your friends. Tell them about us because we rely on you and word of mouth to get out there because, you know, I really suck at doing social media and nobody else is good at social media and we just suck at social uh, unless you're on Discord. And speaking of which, the link is in the description below, but please join us on our Discord, guys. We want to hang out with you because, you know, we got nothing else to do right now. All quarantined, trapped in a whole other dimension called our houses kind of sad. We're all doing this online, so it's a new format for us as well. Oh, yeah. Speaking of formats, uh, did you know that there are other ways that you can support us? One of the ways is you can go to our Patreon and you can donate a dollar a month and you can get access to early releases of episodes. And also you'll get access to the series after episode five, which is when we'll be transferring it to Patreon only. So thank you so much, guys. Love you. I hope you stay well. And once again, very last but not least, most important announcement of all, the odd campaign is still going. We just uh, got a little backed up because we didn't have an online setup for the rest of our party and just trying to get everyone ready was a little difficult. So Sword Art Online Odd will be back 
on April 19th, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled episode release. Okay, guys, don't worry. I'm excited for this next part too, because I've been waiting to figure out what the heck is going on and why there's a waterfall in this next layer. So I'm excited for that. And I hope to see you guys soon. And thank you again so much. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Hopefully our format improves because, I mean, this was our first time recording online and we have a lot of new people on mic, so it can only get better from here. Okay, I promise this... Okay, I promise this is actually the last thing this time. We actually use Sirenscape to generate a lot of our ambiance music for today, as well as some pieces by Michael Gelfi, Kevin McLeod, Alexander Nakarada, and many other artists that have supported us, especially with Sirenscape. It was great. Um, I really recommend using it if you haven't tried it out yet. It makes really great atmosphere and music. So you need to check them out at their website at www.sirenscape.com. All right, guys. Bye. want to know things about video games how about consumer oriented reviews honest opinions hot takes and predictions well you're listening to the right ad introducing the lit gaming arena podcast season two we bring you two episodes every week terminal news which focuses on all the latest gaming news you'll ever need and the lga cast where we talk about all the games we're playing in the gaming industry in general and we do not hold back any punches We also have the occasional wacky guest, so don't miss out. Subscribe to us today. You can find us on our website, lga.gg, and on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you use. Again, that's the Lit Gaming Arena podcast at lga.gg.